Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Anonymous shares his incredible journey from Zanzibar to a front office M&A bulge bracket investment banking position in London. We cover how he survived growing up in some rough Southeast London neighborhoods to his eventual success in breaking into one of the most competitive industries in the world. Listen to his key advice for how you can do the same and why he moved over to corporate development for a tech startup. Enjoy. Great. User anonymous. Difficult spelling. It is A-N-O-N-Y-M-N-O-U-S. Kind of a tricky name. Uh, Thank you again for joining me on the Wall Street Oasis podcast. No problem. Glad to glad to be service. So, real quick, if you could just give the users or the listeners a, a quick overview of your background, would be great. Sure. I mean, uh, a brief introduction to myself. Originally from Zanzibar, came to the UK when I was sort of two, three years old. Uh, lived in the UK since. Studied in sort of public school in South East London. Uh, went to university, Cass Business School, and then started my banking career through internships. During my university time, spent a year and a half in M&A at a bulge bracket in London and then transferred over to a tech startup as a corporate development associate working under under the CFO. That's sort of my my journey. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and can we kind of reverse in terms of um, you came over to London when you were very young, probably don't even remember being um, in, in Africa, but do you feel like um, in terms of how you were growing up and where you grew up, can you talk to me a little bit about the um, the struggles there initially? Sure. I mean, uh, we can go back to Africa because a lot of my family still reside there. Probably like ninety five percent of my family still live in in Africa, a little uh, little island off the coast of Tanzania called Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. One of the main reasons why my family moved over to the UK is generally just life struggles over there, kind of relative poverty. Uh, my dad moved to Dubai for a while. He worked for a printing company, mm-hmm. uh, but still struggled to sort of make ends meet. So we decided to move to England where opportunities essentially were. Um, from living in England, we, we moved to sort of southeast London, which is, a, 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 I would say, one of the rougher areas of London where a lot of sort of knife crime happens and whatnot. Um, spent a large majority of my life here, probably 17, 18 years I uh, went to public school. Growing up was kind of rough. We, we came to the UK. My parents didn't have jobs, so we were relying on government assistance or benefits, uh, is what we call it here in, in England. Um, went to school on sort of uh, free school meals, uh, sort of went through the education system growing up in, in a rough neighborhood. 
where a lot of violence happened and I just tried to sort of stick my head down and, 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 and make it through. I had a lot of parental support. So my mom was really big on education. Initially, I never really cared much for school. I was, I wouldn't say a troublemaker, but I, I got into a bit of trouble, uh, fell in with the wrong crowds, however, managed sort of during maybe age 16, 17 to sort of pick up again, given I thought I was relatively naturally kind of intelligent and there was uh, somewhere I could go in life. I just had to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. And within that journey, I decided for myself to sort of reach out to people, random people sort of in different fields, accounting, law what not managed to do these insight days. So banks, accountancy firms in London run one day events for mm-hmm. school kids, which you can pr- apply to online. Decided to do some of those, um, managed to speak to some professionals uh, mm-hmm. after my A-levels, which is the studies you do before university here, uh, managed to snag an eight week internship at a sort of a, a, a third tier investment bank uh, in back office. Did that, loved it, and decided I wanted to study finance at university. And from then on, I sort of cracked on. And I think one of the big um, help for me was that where I grew up, there was no sort of, I guess, role models into sort of these types of careers. So a lot of my searching had to be done online. So websites such as Wall Street Oasis or even the student room here, what we used in London, helped me a lot. So I sort of saw what students were talking about in terms of different job roles, sort of the requirements for the job roles. And also it gave me kind of a benchmark. So my, my school, for instance, not a lot of people, probably like a handful of people go to university. So when I looked online and saw that there are actually sort of students my age out there kind of going hard to get A stars and A's, I was like, wow, this is sort of a new territory for me. And being the competitive person I am sort of within sports and anything, I was like, okay, this, these are my competition, essentially. I'm no longer competing with the people at my school. I'm going to compete with these people online to seem to get 100% in their exams. And I was like, well, you know, my 60% won't cut it. I need to work harder. And, and sort of during that trajectory, managed to, to, to get into uh, what's known as a semi-target over in, in London. And from then on, kind of uh, go ahead with my career in, in, in banking. So you you think really these online communities, not just Wall Street Oasis, but the student room, like you mentioned, were kind of helped open your eyes earlier on? In, I think, yeah. no, 100%. No, these, yeah. these, these were pivotal because, again, I, I, me being as a competitive person I am, will always try and compete with sort of the people in the room or the people I know right. around me. And given that the, the, the quality was relatively compared, I guess, to sort of the people you have in banking was relatively low, I didn't have much to aspire to. I never had to study to be any of these guys uh, within my sort of school. So going to the online community and seeing sort of other people who come from sort of, I guess, better backgrounds or more educated families, it helped me sort of set the bar and say, look, I need to, you know, raise my own standards if I want to get anywhere in life. So these these communities for me was sort of a escapism in a way you know it allowed me to see sort of another aspect of of life and you know how other people actually grind and discipline themselves to achieve high grades and see high potential and i i aspired towards that and the problem with me though it came sort of quite late so we did our gcses uh which is sort of the, the exams you do it i think like 15 16 right and i, I didn't do so great in those so uh, it's only when it started coming to A-levels when I actually sort of decided, hey, look, I need to do something with my life and found these sites on the internet that I actually I actually sort of stepped up. And, and what's funny was I initially went on these sites because my friends 
you, you guys are referring to as trolls, so they like to go on the site, make ridiculous <laughs> threads, and just have a laugh. So yep. I started off in that kind of in that category. Atmosphere. Just made like dumb, dumb ass threads and dumb ass posts, which just to I, have fun, I, and I then you started actually. Now, but... <laughs> you did it at first to have fun, and then you ended up actually getting the advice for the career. Yeah, yeah it, so it, it, exactly. So I was just sort of doing a, a lot of bands, causing a lot of trouble, getting all my accounts banned, and then I actually sort of sat down and read. The first post I've ever read was um, on Student Room. It was something about official Spring Week. 2012 or something and I remember just reading it and these guys were talking about sort of BBs and uh, DCS and I had no idea what these words were so I started just sort of poking holes and asking questions what's a BB and what's a DCS and then you know they started referring to sort of investment banking and this and that and then I looked online googled like how to get into investment banking and then I saw the grades and you know you need you know A stars in school and you need to go to a good university I was like okay this is not for me but then I kept sort of going back and, and seeing these discussions and I was really interested and I decided you know to apply to these insight days and whatnot and I managed to sort of get one and then sort of speak to people and I know how to sort of set up an application I know what to do with my CV now apply to another I got that right. one and then I was like okay this is this is like something I can aspire towards. Yeah, it's fascinating to think just even 10, 15 years ago before these online communities existed, or you know, probably more like 15 years ago at this point, um, what someone in your shoes, what you know, how much more delayed? Because I, I, I truly feel like just opening, just someone just knowing what's out there is such a huge part of the battle. And like, if you don't have, if you don't have family or you don't have somebody kind of guiding you or a mentor, what's interesting to me is you mentioned earlier on that you started just reaching out to people in law and finance. Was that after you had kind of discovered these online communities Were the the online communities kind of like the first foray into kind of any sort of knowledge? So, 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 yeah, I mean, so I decided first of all, like, you know, I need to do something with my life. And then these online communities were the ones who sort of guided me towards people. So and I started private messaging a few people on these online communities and we, and we became friends and sort of they were talking about, oh, look, there's an insight that you can apply to here. And then that's when I sort of actually started applying to these things. And then from there, sort of started speaking to professionals and like, building a network for myself. At that point, I didn't know what a network was. I didn't know people in the industry. So it's me just initially starting to talk to people and building my knowledge about sort of the investment banking industry at the beginning is, is, is that's how I sort of got a foothold. So I didn't know anything at the beginning and these online communities kind of guided me towards the right direction. And then, you know, these insight days allowed me the opportunity to actually speak to people. So it was in that sort of order. I started online and I, I, I was always a big fan of sort of the internet because Around my area, I didn't really like going outside too much because I knew there was nothing good or nothing productive much that I could do outside. So I played a lot of like online MMORPGs like RuneScape or Hazard mm-hmm. Hotel. So I was already clued up online and, you know, these forums again pushed me in the, in the, in the right direction. That's great. That's, it's a, it's really interesting to me just how it's changed everything um, in terms of access and knowledge. It's, it's, it's excellent to hear and someone in, you know, your case, someone who's willing to work hard can actually. Uh, make the difference even though like you said you were a little bit behind already in terms of the the grades you needed and but you were you were able to kind of catch up um, which is great to hear yeah um so could you tell me a little bit about in terms of you know once you're at that it's a some it's a what you'd call a semi-target right undergraduate um yes once you're there and you kind of you now have kind of the knowledge base of what you need to do you're you're getting better grades you you know kind of all about the 
the recruiting. I'd I'd love to give the listeners a little insight in term in terms of like how you started with the internships. I know you started all in back office, but did you feel like you were going to be stuck there, or kind of what was the thought process? Um, so, uh, so it's a great question. So I never sort of initially aspired to get into it. I mean, I kind of fell into it a little bit. It's a, it's a very cliche sort of answer, but I, I'll give you an explanation. So during my first year of university, uh, so before I started university, I did sort of eight weeks in back office. So I wasn't even at university at this point. Got it. So I, I managed to sort of snag myself an internship. And then during first year uh, university, there's these programs called sort of like uh, sponsors of educational opportunity and brokerage, which I sort of fell into, which help people from disadvantaged backgrounds with kind of applications and, and whatnot to these programs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had them sort of look over my CV and just ensure I'm sort of polished in, in terms of answering uh, interview questions, given that from my background, I, I never really spoke the, the English I'm speaking to you and uh, speaking with you now. I never really knew how to speak like this. Uh, a lot of my speech was kind of slang terminology. So you had to learn how to speak completely. Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like learn how to articulate myself in these environments, given that on my internship, I noticed like I couldn't talk how the, the rest of the people were talking. I, 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 I used a lot of slang in my kind of day-to-day talk and it was very difficult to get out of because that's how I was used to speaking to teachers, speaking to my friends, so kind of right. a new experience entirely for me. Uh, so during my first year of university, I applied to the Spring Week programs, which are one-week programs here at sort of banks in, in whatever division you choose and they're quite competitive. Mm-hmm. I managed to, to to get a few of those. I did three spring weeks at uh, two balls bracket banks and one sort of like mid-tier bank, I guess you could say, yeah, mm-hmm. in London. And so these, uh, these spring then, weeks, they're actually during freshman year or sophomore year? Yes, exactly. Okay. And so then your, it's your, just kind of... Your, your first year. So I did, I did a few of those over the, the spring break and sort of it was kind of a general insight into front office investment banking. So that's the area I applied. I never applied to any specific sort of like IBD, M&A, trading, whatnot. It's just kind of generic front office. Got it. And we did a week and spent sort of a few days shadowing in different areas and give them giving us presentations and us listening. And then I um, initially applied to get capital markets, given I studied a degree in investment and financial risk management. There was one um, division called... Uh, sort of like a, a risk solutions group. So like they, they do kind of, they structure hybrid securities to help companies mitigate risk. And I thought that might be an interesting area for me to go to, given that you know, my, my studies were relevant to that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during my first year, so that's the area I applied to. And I, I got an offer for a penultimate year internship in this area. And then one of the companies called me back and offered a first year internship. So I did additional interviews and I managed to get an internship after my first year of university. And this was a nine-week internship um, with three rotations. So I rotated within sales and trading, uh, derivatives research, and uh, M&A. They, they tried great. to sort of give me areas which are combined relevant to the area I would be interning in my penultimate year summer internship. So these areas combined kind of made sense for me to then go on and do the penultimate year internships in this risk solutions group. Got it. Uh, but during, during that um, internship, two of the three desks that I gave me an offer to come back the, the following year. So the derivatives research desk and the M&A sort of group that I was in. And uh, Can you talk the, a little the, the bit, can, M- you, can you dive in a little bit of what makes you think you, why you got a return offer? Because I think, um, is it something where it's just a very high return offer rate or was it something that set you apart of the, the people who didn't get a return offer? So initially, uh, with regards to the return offer, given that this was a, a, an internship in my first year of university, I already had 
my penultimate year internship. Got it. Regardless of how I did in this okay. internship. Right? Fair enough. So, yeah. But my penultimate year internship was in a different division to the three divisions I was in the first one. Okay. However, you know, I performed well as a first year sort of intern. And the, the two of the desks said, you know, instead of going to that team, hey, come back to my team next year. So then I, I was faced with the choice of, you know, declining. And this is just, this is just in a short rotation nine week. They're already making that decision. Is it? What do you think? Kind of? Yeah. So so why I mean, I, I remember I was interning uh, with actual penultimate year internship as a first year, and I seem to have like done a lot better than some of the penultimate years. So I guess they they just saw potential and said, hey, you know, rather than going there, come 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 back here. And I was pretty pretty kind of screwed on in in terms of my whole university experience was just to sort of get me a job like that without you know, investment banking in the back of my mind or a banking sort of job thereafter, I don't think I would have cared to go to university. I always told my mom, hey, look, you know, this is a waste of time. You know, everyone that I know kind of just works here and there. No one, no one from our backgrounds really get into these jobs. I, I thought, you know, with that, if, if it wasn't for banking, I probably wouldn't have gone to university. The only reason I went to study finance was because I wanted a job in banking. So from day one, I was like, practicing my numerical test like i remember freshers week initially it sounds pretty pathetic but i was like i'm not taking a chance of this i need to sort of buy all these like job test prep uh, right. graduate monkey these these things and, and and actually practice to ensure that you know i'm i need to get these internships such that i can get a job so i was kind of screwed on with the the, the technicals and finance and things that you need to know so during my internship i just kind of smashed it and and sort of asked the right questions Got on with the work and I was very efficient with kind of Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint, and uh, all these things before I even sort of did my first year internship. So they they, they really enjoyed that. So that's um, incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. So you were you kind of knew you were you, the only reason you were in university really to get this exact job. So as soon as you had the internship, it was like go time for you. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, and I think a lot of people yeah. in my even in my uh, at my uni sort of knew this. Like I had uh, you know all the internship application opening times. I had an Excel spreadsheet with everything that I needed to know to sort of surpass the interviews. <laughs> I used to trade questions with people online. So on these forums, you know, somebody That's did great. an internship or somebody did an interview at Morgan Stanley, you know, another person at Goldman and maybe me at another firm. And then I would trade questions. And so I was, I was kind of on the board to get these internships. And then once on these internships, I knew exactly what I needed to do and even needed to speak to to convert. And I kind of just kept that process going throughout. So, um, sort of just, just on how I managed to get the return officer. So again, I got offered, a return on two of the three of these desks, and I decided to return to M and A. And is 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 how I actually ended up in sort of IBD M and A for my penultimate year summer internship, which I then converted to a full time position thereafter. That's amazing. Yeah. So you kind of you went from like almost like a back office before university, kind of got that on your belt, and then had all these kind of this rotational program. Ended up getting kind of everyone wanted you because you were dialed in, or, or as you say in, in London, what was the what was the phrase? Uh, switched on. Switched on. Yeah. Switched on. Switched on so that you were ready to go. And I think it's, it's a really important lesson that you were able to differentiate yourself even as a first, you know, a freshman summer, which is, which is incredible. Um, Which, 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 which I think helped a lot. Oh yeah, I'm mean, trying. It, coming like, from sort of like a, an yeah. unconventional background with somebody who, who switched on it, it's a, it's, a, it's a good combo, to say the least. For sure, especially when they're trying to for like diversity quotas. So it's, 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 no <laughs> everyone's real, trying I to grab you. No reason, <laughs> I gave them no reason not to take me on. That's great. So, oh, so, so, okay. So you decided you went to the M and A route. Um, 
how did you decide on the M&A? Was it something just after reading the forums? You're like, oh, this is one of the more interesting groups. Honestly, I, did, I, I hated that at first. I thought like anyone who went into M&A was, was, was stupid. And I, I, I ended up doing the three weeks there and it was pretty interesting in terms of kind of like looking at high level strategy and whatnot. And I was working with a few analysts on a, on a, on a few RFPs and whatnot. And I thought it was just generally interesting what these companies were doing at first. Uh, one of my reservations was obviously sort of working until like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. each night. And I was like, you know, this is... This is not realistic long term, but I think that the director there kind of, you know, they're, they're very good at talking. So they're very good at persuading you to, to sort of come back and kind of nurturing you and saying, hey, look, this is a, a great opportunity for you. So I, I, I think they spun the whole, you know, this is the right area to be. And I knew it was one of the most competitive areas of the business of the, of the firm to get into. Yeah, and again, being up. the competitive it sets you up for for future, right? And and just having yeah, yeah, resume. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I and a lot of it may not not necessarily just sort of it was interesting. It was kind of just competition, you know. It's like okay, mm-hmm. everyone's gunning for this position. Hey, I've I've got a chance to do it. Like, I'd be stupid to not going to this area. And that's kind of I, I think. I, I make a lot of bad decisions doing that, but this is this is the decision I made. Uh, I was like, you know, a lot of it was driven by purely demand and supply. You know, a lot of demand, shortage of supply of jobs, and right. I thought, hey, why not? In your internship, were you doing those one a.m. nights and two a.m. nights initially, or yeah, you were? Okay. Yeah, I was, I was. I was. I was there late. I was helping out analysts, and they were there till like one, two a.m. So I was there. <laughs> was were <laughs> most people doing that, or, or do you feel like you stepped up more, and they kind of gave you more responsibility as a result? So, I, as the first year, I only did a three week rotation, so I was kind of doing the, the the most basic things, so like one or two slides, nothing, nothing, te- nothing technical in my first year. But on my second year, I, I given that I came back, they already knew me kind of and sort of knew my potential, so they gave me more sort of technical work and and they trusted me a lot more so i guess uh, a lot more responsibility on my penultimate year internship than on my first year great um so now let's i'd love to just dive in a little bit in terms of well why don't we continue just on in terms of your journey so you know you you had the full-time offer you started full-time in the m&a group and then kind of how did things evolve was it just more the same kind of grinding um really tough lifestyle and and I'd love to hear just your thought process on. Yeah, on your sure, jump. sure. Yep. Um, so, so full time, I think, was a very different experience to me than my internship. Mm-hmm. Even on the internship, you know, you know, you're you're only there for nine, ten weeks, so there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're not going to be slaving away and for God knows how long. And I think on the full time internship, it really hit me. Sort of within the first few months, I was stuffed on sort of a life field straight away, like no time waste, and uh, we were advising a sponsor. And I always thought that I was going to do sort of investment banking and then private equity. Yep. So kind of initially I thought, hey, look, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm going to have FaceTime, see how these guys operate, see what kind of roles the private equity associates do. Uh, I did that for a while and this deal kind of dragged on for six, seven months. And it was one of probably the hardest things I've ever had to do. Uh, a lot of late nights, a lot of revisions, you know, a lot of calls, a lot of kind of just regulating and I thought the work was very mundane or not as I expected. So, you know, uh, a lot of things like updating sort of comps every few weeks to speak with the sponsors or, you know, updating very minute things or every quarter you've got to update the model. And things started to get very repetitive and very sort of boring. And I, and I noticed that the 
associates on the other side was working sort of similar hours to me and I was very good people. <laughs> You know, this, this this can't be the life that I I want to go for. You know, initially, you know, you're, you're, it's all the glitz and the glam, and you know, the money, the Rolexes, this and that. And then I was like, this is just not interest. This doesn't stimulate my brain. Like, this is not what I worked hard to get to. You know, I, I feel like I was very small machine in a in a very sort of. Uh, very, uh, sorry, no, I was very. I know that feeling. In a very big machine. Yeah. Yes, and I, I felt like I wasn't. I wasn't making an impact, right? So, you, you six months down the line, I just didn't care about sort of what I was doing. I remember a lot of the calls were very mundane and very, very disheartening. Uh, so, I was covering consumer retail, and the, the the whole industry, especially in London, is on the demise, right? It's, it's just not great. So, a lot of companies would do mergers or acquisitions just to sort of consolidate and rationalize sort of the workforce. You know, cut down on departments. So I remember being on calls talking about sort of departments being fired, and I was like, "This is just upsetting. Like, this is not, this is not something that it's I, I want to do long term." Yeah. yeah, for sure. You so it was, it was, it, initially it was kind of on the internship, it was kind of the strategy and this, and then on the actual job, like whilst yes, you're talking to CEOs, CFOs, you're you're, you're doing sort of high level work at, with big companies. You feel firstly, you're, you're you're nobody within sort of these discussions, and secondly, these discussions are pretty 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 sad and and you know the work after a while gets repetitive i think after maybe six seven months i sort of knew exactly what i was doing a lot of the work then became repetitive whilst you're working with new companies or new deals a lot of the work is the same stuff right you know you, you've got to build a model you've got to go through the process you have to sort of be in the, the diligence uh, you have to be in the data room manage data room manage sort of different parties within sort of the deal process and then manage your seniors and then also sort of work with other analysts and associates to give you revisions. And I felt like the revisions just were on and on. Like some of them were so retarded, like <laughs> they're pretty stupid, like, you know, uh, just align this and this. And, and I was like, you know, this is not something that I, I spent however many five years of studying to, to do. And I decided, yeah, I, you know, this, this just wasn't for me. I always joke when I was getting calls at four in the morning to add a comma into a on page one exactly. footnote number is, four is, i was like is this really necessary <laughs> this is the stuff i remember there was one uh, the, the weekend i decided banking was not for me there was one weekend I, I worked 40 hours just during the weekend so this is Jeez. this is like the average person's work week i worked over the weekend i did not get any sleep i was just sort of constantly within the office working on sort of a, a, a live deal and an rfp due monday and I was just like, this is this can't be like nothing in the world is this important to sacrifice my health over. It's just like, okay, I'm not gonna do private equity either. I need to figure out something else. And I was kind of stuck because I didn't know what else was out there. I was like, I spent my whole five years, whatever, working up to this job, and then I had a plan to get into private equity, and now I don't want any of it. What do I do? And I was kind of, I, I guess I was burnt out very early on, which I didn't expect. So we'll we'll walk me through within walk, a year. Walk, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's common. I think, you know, you hear some, especially someone like yourself, where you kind of already were working so hard to get in. I think, you know, when you're able to kind of hit the ground running and, you know, within six months, you're like, wait a second, this is now all starting to repeat. Um, and so I think, I think your story is not that uncommon. But I guess my question is then, how did you, you know, what was your thought process in terms of, you know, the next step? Yeah, sure. Um, so initially, I, I had none. Initially, I was just kind of going into sort of work every day, like 
I didn't even want to get up. I was like, ah, you know, another day of work. And I, that that sort of kept up for sort of two months. And then I went on holiday with one of my other analyst friends who who also worked at the bank with me. And we had sort of discussions. And then I, I came back and started talking to other, other analysts. And the sentiment was pretty much the same amongst everyone. Everyone hated the job. And everyone, everyone wanted to leave. Not everyone, but like most of the people that I spoke to. Yeah. And they had sort of ideas about sort of different roles or different opportunities. Some people said, hey, you know, I want to try sales and trading. Some people said, you know, I want to go into a hedge fund. Some people said, other people said, you know, private equity might be the way out and secondary funds. And then one of my friends um, spoke about sort of corporate development, which essentially the way he pitched it to me was it's it's similar to M&A. However, you're working for a company instead of advising the company and I was like you know this, this sounds interesting and he was he was saying it was like it's better hours and whatnot and I, I thought you know this this sounds interesting because I was I was, I, I reckon I was sort of good at sort of the technical aspects of the role and I, I liked the analytical stuff sort of digging into sort of the data and understanding trends and kind of making these recommendations however I just felt like within a bank you know I, I wasn't really making much value add I wasn't really contributing much to anything so I, I decided to look into sort of this corporate development space so that's kind of my initial thoughts on on sort of how i discovered what corporate development was because prior to sort of one year into banking i had no idea sort of what a corporate dev was other than yeah maybe you know just a few conversations here and then but i had no don't sort feel of detailed... bad don't feel bad i didn't even know what yeah. private equity was when i started banking so <laughs> this was of course back in 2004 <laughs> that, when it was that, that's that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, the internet changes things. So I, again, yeah. I went online, sort of saw what they did at Wall Street. It also has sort of a de- dedicated corp dev corp strat space, which I I, I looked at um, and decided, hey, you know, this might be a potential thing I, I I want to do. So I started looking at companies who offered sort of corp dev roles and, and sort of what the requirements were and whatnot. And I also decided um, I didn't I, I wanted to be in a company where I make an impact or where at least my opinion was heard. So one of the things I ruled out pretty quickly. So I interviewed at quite a few corp dev places, uh, some big companies, um, and decided, you know, after speaking to some of the people there, I was like, you know, this is similar to, to M&A in that there's like a, a lot of bureaucracy or a lot of levels before you get somebody with a decision. So, you know, again, I'd be kind of pigeonholed into a small cog in a, in a big machine. And then I, I, I looked at kind of smaller companies and startups. And I remember, you know, interviewing with one company and their CFO was sort of an ex-venture type, ex-private equity, ex-banker type. So, you know, related on pretty well. Uh, so this, this is the CFO of the company. And, you know, after sort of five rounds or so and a few modeling tests, he offered me um, a position to come work under him. So I'm currently now the only sort of corp dev associate working directly under the CFO. So things with regards to sort of M&A or international expansion, I usually am leading, well, I'm now leading the charge. So it's it, 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 it's it's a different environment in the sense that, you know, a lot of the work is similar in terms of kind of valuation or whatnot, but there's no stupid things like, you know, change the font size to X or, you know, this, this stuff is kind of straight, you know, execution process, you know, if we're hiring sort of advisors or somebody to do stuff like it, it gets done. Like there's right. no hierarchy in the sense that I, it has to go through five levels of approval before somebody says yes. No, kind of totally. me and the CFO sitting in a room having a conversation and be like, you know, I think this is a good idea and I think this is this is my proposed plan of the way we should do things. And it's like, okay, let's 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 get cracking, let's start the first little process. Yeah, so um essentially me and the CFO we, we get to sit in a room and I get to kind of give him 
a brief on sort of what my proposals are, or you know, if we're going for a sort of an acquisition, okay, I'm going to look at this company, and then we kind of sit in a room and just discuss internally, and it's a lot of detailed and technical discussion. And I felt like you know my my opinions and sort of my thoughts are, are, are being valued and listened to. And I remember just the other day we were talking about sort of international expansion. I did a, a little bit of market intel work, spoke to some professionals within sort of the market that we're planning to expand to. And I was with the sort of board, the founder of the company, the CEO, the CFO. And, you know, I was giving my presentation, essentially my pitch. And we went around the room and discussed whether or not it's a good idea, what timing. And it's kind of already on next steps. It's very quick. And I feel like my, what I'm saying actually holds weight. So it's sort of my opinion, because I've always had opinions. Whenever I look, even during my time in banking, I, I thought, you know, this is a shit deal. Or this is whatnot. <laughs> but no, one, no one cares, right? Like you're, in banking, you're just kind of polishing things to make things look pretty and then just trying to sell it. You know, if you're on the buy side, you want to get a lower valuation. If you're on the sell side, higher valuation. It's kind of right. a lot of art in the sense where as this, I'm actually, you know, making investment decisions. You know, we're actually putting capital to work and, you know, essentially, so, hopefully realizing a return in however many years time. Real quick, so I, I want to. It sounds like an amazing gig where you're actually getting, you know, you're getting executive level kind of uh, exposure. You're doing really interesting work in terms of looking at like making important decisions for a company. Any advice to people who are in banking now in terms of kind of the the size of the company to target or how to find those positions? Honestly, I I, I found this position initially through sort of LinkedIn, and then so I, I applied on LinkedIn, and then I spoke to the HR sort of head of recruitment there who then passed me on to the CFO who I had my initial conversation with. And they were looking for associates, actually. So people with, I guess, experience maybe three, four, five years, or three, four, five years above my current mm -hmm. level experience. But I guess sort of having that initial conversation, I, I impressed and sort of went through that process. So I, in terms of finding them, they're kind of, I guess, difficult to find, but I, LinkedIn or the internet is a great, kind sure. of beginning or starting ground. All my interviews that I had were pretty much through LinkedIn or recruiters. But then recruiters mostly recruit from, from private equity. At least a lot of the recruiters I spoke to kind of pitched private equity positions. So I, 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 I couldn't give a very clear advice on how to find these specific niche opportunities. But for me, I, got, I, I feel like I got very lucky through LinkedIn. At finding and you feel like the size, the size of the companies, it sounds like the perfect size where it's, it's not too big, where there's a lot of bureaucracy, but it's not too small. There's actually some funding behind it and whatnot. So it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So within, within our space, we're one of the, the, the most well-funded companies. That's great. That's great. Any, before we wrap up, any last, you know, anything you would tell your younger self or any advice you want to give to the listeners um, specifically around whether it's investment banking, recruiting, or finding what you're passionate about and a good a good space for themselves. Yeah, sure. I mean, the the, the way I there the, was the, a great quote that I had, but I, I can't remember. I think it's um, what is this? There, there, there's no such thing as luck. Luck is where opportunity meets preparation. So I, I, I think like always be prepared. So regardless, like first of all, kind of have something in mind. It doesn't have to be sort of what you're going to be, end up doing 10 years in time. Like what's, so within the next two, three years, where do you want to get to? Have that in mind, be prepared for that and then sort of stick at it. So when the opportunity does come, you, you go into it with kind of like sort of, I guess like a fighting fist. I, I, I'm not sure the right phrase. Um, and also like the, uh, one of the biggest things that I've learned, especially through my time is um, failure isn't 
a bad thing, not always. Like uh, I remember doing these spring week applications, and initially, like once, once I got three, initially I got a lot of rejections, and it's just about sort of learning from failure. Like you, you, you don't fail. The only time you fail is when you sort of don't learn from failure, right? That, that, that's how I've always seen things, which has helped me sort of keep my motivation up when sort of doing the applications and not getting through. Um, and also, like on, like use all the resources at your disposal. I think I. I, I Right now, within sort of the 21st century, and we have the internet and whatnot, like there's no excuse for anyone not to get to where they want to be. Like, right, you might be disadvantaged, but that's not a real excuse given that, you know, you have the same access to information as everyone else. You know, e even when it comes to sort of learning things, like learning coding, like people will be like, oh, no, but I didn't go to university to sort of learn this or learn that. It's like everything is on YouTube. Like, <laughs> Anything, anything that I've learned about sort of like modeling or whatnot is from, you know, Damodaran or it's just on you know, Google or YouTube. And I think this is, this is pretty solid advice for me, at least. It's like, there's no excuse for anything, you know. Uh, there's also another, and I, I listen to a lot of motivational videos, so I have quite a few of these quotes. There's, mm -hmm. there's one that says, um, uh, what is it? It says, Tal, um, I can't remember. Though. It was one of these like talent beats hard work when so, something of this nature. Whereas it's like you know there, there might be people more talented than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you. This is kind of the the the. I love it. I think you're getting our, our listeners. You're getting our listeners pumped up, ready to go do some extra <laughs> networking. It's good. <laughs> but anyways, and I, 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 I think it's very simple. Like people to complicate things or you know they say you need to do x y and z to get it and i, I especially in banking a lot of i saw a lot of diversity whilst you know there's obviously the university representation is quite kind of condensed you have your sort of targets and semi-targets within that i think there's you know what what makes somebody interesting is not sort of what university they went to or what subject they study it's just generally sort of who they are as a person what are the interesting things outside of sort of your academia that you do so for me i was very advantaged given that i do a lot of stuff outside of academics you know like play football or soccer here in in, in america i think you call it soccer um yep. you know i i have a youtube channel like quad skate uh i play table tennis i do like a lot of different things even i, I even did an internship at um during my second year of university spring in the Houses of Parliament, which is the, the government here as a mm -hmm. political journalist. Mm -hmm. And I and I published like an article on the Evening Standard, which is one of London's biggest papers. And I, and you know, speaking about that in interviews, people are like, okay, how, first of all, you study finance. How did you get an internship in, 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 in sort of like uh, political journalism? And, and, and it's just an interesting talking point. And I think just do things outside of, general academia in, it, it, for me it's I, I always do things I, I enjoy you know so when I didn't enjoy banking I said you know I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it. I'm not gonna stick it out and just be depressed the rest of my life I, I always just carry myself through life life's too short to do things you don't enjoy so uh, always do things you enjoy and just be be prepared awesome. be prepared for anything let's <laughs> let's end on that note I think it's a great lesson and I just want to thank you again. This is user anonymous. <laughs> um, again, I will uh, put a link in the show notes to the AMA going on right now. So th thanks again for joining us and for sharing all of your wisdom with the listeners. No worries. Awesome. Appreciate your time. Talk soon. Bye. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.